Well, hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 375, and today we're going to be talking about, well, a coaching call recap that myself and Chris Schaefer just got done with. And, uh, well, the question was asked at Seller Summit. We were sitting at lunch with uh, one of our TAS listeners and also one of our students, and he said, you know, I think I might have picked and launched the wrong product. Now what? And, you know, he really had a great mindset because he said to himself, you know what, at least I've launched and at least I've gotten some momentum here, but the sales just aren't what I thought they would be. Maybe I'm doing something wrong. And so we said, you know what, let's jump on a call when you get back and I get back and we all get back and get situated. Let's jump on a call and kind of dig through what you have going and see if we can, you know, whether, you know, it's something we can improve or if it's something we can say, you know what, maybe we need to pivot and move on. So that's exactly what we did here on this call. So I just wanted to let you guys know before. Before we do jump into this call, actually, Chris and I had a little bit of some glitches in our Skype connection, so you might hear a couple of pops here and there, but uh, I think you guys will be cool with it, but I just want to let you guys know that I am aware of it, uh, and uh, I think you guys will still get a ton of value from this. So I'm going to turn it over to the conversation that I had with myself and Chris Schaefer, and oh, by the way, the show notes to this episode can be found at theamazingseller.com forward slash 375. All right, guys, so enjoy this recap call that I did with my good friend, Mr. Chris Schaefer. Chris, are you ready to rock and roll? I am ready to rock and roll. Let's do this thing, man. You, you ready to do this thing? You know, I'm right now, you know, the time that I'm recording this, which is early in the morning, uh, we're, you know, we're, we're both kind of, well, you're a little bit earlier than I am, but just a little, j- just about an hour. Uh, but uh, normally right now I'm not recording this early. So again, I'm recovering from this chest cough. I've got some coffee. I've already had some, some nice uh, tea, you know, and everything. I'm hoping I'm going to get through this without coughing, Chris. I think that's my biggest fear right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll be okay. You've got a mute button. Oh, that's true. I do. I do. We're not doing this technically live, are we? Yes, we are. We're actually live. We're just not live, if that makes sense. Um, But yeah, Chris, what I wanted to do is maybe just kind of give people the backstory really quickly on how we met Reese um, and uh, kind of get people caught up. Uh, You know, you and I were at Seller Summit, which was an amazing event, Steve Chu's event, and we met a lot of great people, a lot of great people. And uh, we sat down, had lunch with Reese, and Reese said, hey, guys, I just want to let you know I'm a fan of the podcast and I'm also inside of the PLC classroom and we're like awesome how are things going and he goes it's actually going really well I mean we're selling consistently um, but I don't really think this is the product or at least I'm not sure if it is because I may have jumped the gun but I'm okay with that I did that on purpose kind of because I just wanted to get started I didn't want to sit there and think about it too much I just wanted to kind of jump in and learn the process and I don't know about you Chris but that to me showed that he was just ready to get in there and learn and he had a great mindset. What did you take away from that little conversation we had with him at lunch? That little lunch powwow in the sunshine in oh Florida. Oh my gosh, it was amazing, wasn't oh, it? Oh man, I'm standing here staring at uh, at a very cloudy sky here in southern Texas and just thinking about how nice it was to be in Florida and kind of only half listening to what you're saying because I'm distracted by how nice it was. Uh, yes, no, I'm just it was. kidding. It was. Re- Reese is a good dude, and I think that's absolutely the mindset that you should have, right? It's it's the fail quickly mindset, right? If you're going to do it and you're not sure if you pick the right product, you still kind of go all in and see what happens, and that's kind of the mindset that he and his wife have had, which is, you know, we think we can make this work, but we're not sure. If it doesn't, oh, well, it's going to be a learning experience, and quite honestly, it sounds like from our conversation with him that 
even if it isn't a product that they're going to continue with long term, at least it's not a, a costly misstep, right? They're going to kind of come out around break even from the sound of it. So that's that's always good to start with. I think they have absolutely the right mindset for this kind of venture. And I'm curious to see what what your thoughts are in kind of some total from that call as well. Yeah, no. Well, again, I want to get people caught up as far as like, okay, we, we sat down, we had lunch with him and, you know, he's telling us all about what he's doing and, and everything. And, you know, you and I are like, you know, Hey, if, if you want, I mean, we can jump on a Skype call. We don't do this with everyone, but you know, we're sitting here at a table. We met you in person and stuff. Let's go ahead and jump on a call and we can kind of walk through exactly where you're at because he was at this turning point. Really? He was like, do I continue to go with this product? That's not really selling, you know, awesomely, right? It's like, it's, is that a word? Awesomely? Awesomely. It uh, is now. It is now. Uh, so, I mean, he just, you know, he just was kind of stuck. The other thing he did is right away, he's like, I, I think I made a mistake because I had too many variations. That was another big one that he's like, I think I made a mistake on that, but I'm okay with it because I learned a ton through this process. So I said, let's just jump on Skype. Once we get back, get situated, let's find a time that we can get together and kind of go through your business. And of course, he's going to reveal his product to us and all that stuff. And he did. And uh, and it was it was really good to go through everything that he's done so far. I think he's done amazing um, just kind of getting started, getting through that process. But again, you know, us being able to look at it from a different perspective and then give him some him some insights. And that's really what I want to do here. I want to just recap that call for everyone and kind of guide people through like what we've seen and then what the advice was. And for him to actually have a lot of these, I think, aha moments where he's like, oh, OK, I see. Don't do that. Do this. And I kind of want to bring people through that process and kind of give them some of that advice that we have given them. So maybe we can just kind of dig into the whole you know, he had like five or six different variations off of this one product. So that was like the first thing that I seen that I was like, oh boy, like to start off, like to have five, six different SKUs, uh, you know, even if they're under one parent, that's just, that's a lot of like different products technically that some might not sell, some might sell. What's your thoughts on that, Chris? That's a mistake that I see a lot of people make. <clears throat> and it's a conversation that you and I have a few times a week with people, you know, anytime we jump on and do a workshop, people ask us that question. You get that question. I know via email a few times a week and it kind of goes something like this. You know, my top selling competitors have eight colors. Do I need to sell all eight? Yes. <laughs> right? Yes. The answer is no, please. For the love of all that is holy, do not sell all eight <laughs> in the beginning. <laughs> Take a look and see which ones sell the most and start with those one or two. And we even did this recently in a brand that we're in, Scott, where we said, you know, there's a hundred different color variations that we could launch, which are the two that are going to work the best. Exactly. And we asked our audience, which, which two they wanted to see. And we let them choose, right? The same thing kind of works here. You can use jungle scout to say, okay, whether it's a size variation, a color variation, a quantity variation, which one of these sells the best. And then you can decide to launch the, the best seller or the two best sellers. I would not generally suggest anyone launches a product with five variations, especially for their first swing at the plate, mm. right? Because you're managing a much more complex system, right? And we heard a statistic, and I don't remember if it was at Seller Summit or if it was somewhere else recently, but it was like every time you add a SKU, oh, it was at the ClickFunnels event. Every time you add a SKU to your business, 
it gets more complex by 12%. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I didn't does that make sense. Yeah, it does, though. It does. So, like, it, if he has five variations, and I'm going to give every math teacher in the world a heart attack right now, <laughs> that's what, 60% more complex? Wow, you're doing some great math right now. Right? Man. So, well, I guess I guess technically it would be like 48%. because I don't know. You, you lost me count, already. You, you can't me. count the first one. But it's it's... 50% more complex than it would be if he just had that one. Skew. Well, of course. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yep. So it, it's gonna, there's, there's a whole bunch of other variables. You have to track five listings. You have to worry about running paid ads to five different listings and figuring out which one works. You have to look at the sessions for five different listings and that can be overwhelming and it can also be distracting in the beginning. And it turns out that just like everything else in business, it seems like his sales are following the Pareto principle, the 80, 20 rule, if yeah. you will. Right. Mm -hmm. 20% of your stuff is going to net you 80% of your results. So turns out two of his variations were like 85% of his sales. Yeah. And I, I think we can, we can say, you know, kind of like what we're talking about here, like small, medium, large, extra large, extra, extra large, right? Like it's like, there, it, that, that's what we're talking about. Or it could be like, you know, five different colors, you know, that's kind of what we're talking about. So when you have those different, you know, different ones, they're, you know, not everyone is going to need the small, not everyone is going to need the red, right? But once you find out that there's one or two that people are more or less buying, then that's going to be a better way to kind of go into that space without having to have five different SKUs. And remember, if you have five different SKUs, that means if your, if your supplier says you need to have a 300 or a 500 minimum per SKU, that means you've just, you know, 5X that. You know, and, and that can be, you know, overwhelming and, and expensive. Uh, so I think that was a big one. And he kind of already knew that when we sat down at the table before we even got on our call. He's like, I think I might have, you know, I might have messed up there. I'm okay with it, you know. So um, so now that he's kind of going, though, okay, and I kind of want to lead people now through, like, the first thing that we did, we looked at that. We said, okay, yes, that's probably something Then we can fix that. That's not That's not hard, right? We can just you know, liquidate the other ones and keep the main ones for now and just keep fulfilling those. But the real question is, is, is there really any chance for you to succeed with this product? Is there something different about your product? Is there depth and demand for your product? And is it too competitive for your product? And is it worth continuing? That's really the big questions that we had to answer here. So our first step in that was looking at the product. And immediately when I looked at the product, I go, yep, too competitive, too easy to copy, it's probably not going to be worth continuing. Like, that was my first reaction. But he is running paid ads to those, you know, pay-per-click, and his ACOS is like 55% right now, which isn't that bad on 500,000 impressions, which isn't that bad, especially when you're just starting out and being that competitive. So really, he's generating all of his sales through pay-per-click. So now the next question is, is can you rank on page one to start to get sales on page one, because if he gets to page one, he can probably sell that product. But he's not even in the top like 20 pages. Like it's that competitive. And the product only sells between, I don't know, it was like $11 and $20, depending on the color or the size, right? So the first thing we had to look at was the competition. And right away, I said to myself, competition, very, very high. And I'm not sure it's worth even trying to get to page one. Does that mean that we give up on that product 100%? Our advice was no. You, you kind of have some momentum. You, you can kind of keep selling this if you want to, if you can do minimums and still fulfill that without having to do thousands of units. 
and then you can slowly maybe start to rank in for other long tail keywords and stuff like that and maybe still run that pay-per-click at least if it's a break even and then see if you can still build that out it also could lead people to other products in your brand that's if we want to continue out this brand which we'll talk about because that was the, another part of this conversation so chris i just went on a, a little bit of a rant there about as far as like how to figure out that next part but what did you take away when we first seen the product and when we first seen what we were up against with what he's selling well i think my my gut kind of takeaways were very similar to yours and the the thing that i kind of geeked out over is he had a metric boatload of sponsored ads data. Yeah. Right. He had, you know, 500,000 impressions and all that stuff. And we got to talking and it sounded like, you know, we're kind of around break even on the product. Is it worth continuing to pursue? And to me, the answer to that question is not super simple, right? You have to decide if it's worth renewing that order or not just on those, say the two largest selling colors, right? Yeah. The red and the blue. Yep. Um, and if you can do that, then does that make sense? Rather than getting red, blue, pink, green, fuchsia, and black, yeah. if we just reorder those top two SKUs and we can use that to bankroll other products, mm -hmm. is it worth our time? And at break even, the answer is probably no, because we're not creating a bankroll there, right? Mm -hmm. We're not pulling out any profit. But what, what it turned out to be was that it, even without much refinement, his sponsored products we're at around the break even point. So with some refinement, we might be able to make that profitable, mm -hmm. which is which is interesting to me. So one of the things that I suggested is that he take a look at that and see if there is a way to make it profitable, because even though he's not getting a ton of organic traffic to that, if he can get that, if he can cut that ACOS in half, yeah, then it might be worth doing because Absolutely. you're going to make. I think he said he was making $10 a unit, Yep. right? Yep. So at, at a 50% ACOS, that means he's break even. If he can drop that to 25%, he's making five bucks a unit. Right. So yeah, that's not the, the ideal $10 that you and I talk about in the 10 by 10 by one method, but it's still five bucks. Right. And this, this kind of plays back into a question that I got a few times at Seller Summit and we get all the time. And it was from our, our friends, Josh and Jess. They said, look, you know, we have a product that's not necessarily on on brand with where we want to be long term, but it's selling. Mm. Should we keep going with it or should we not renew it? And that's the same exact answer that I gave them. I said, mm -hmm. well, if you can use that to create profit and fund your other products, then why wouldn't you reorder it? Right. And so it, if he can find a way to make that profitable, then it might be worth reordering, in my opinion. Yeah. But yeah. And that I, was kind of that was kind of just my initial gut call from what we were talking about because it sounded like he was at break even. If we can improve that a little bit and use that to bankroll the other stuff, it might be worth doing another order on. Yeah. Okay. And so we we talked about that, and then you know he was really like you know I just don't know if this is like the market. I don't know if this is the if this is if this is going to be a brand. And I'm like, well, listen, if it's not telling you that it's a brand, if you don't have someone that is going to be pushing a brand, I'm talking like you know like a real brand, you know, that you have a suite of products, then maybe it's time to go to an open brand. Maybe it's time that this is just your open brand account, right? And he's like, well, I've already, I've already branded my account with my name. And, and then we basically told him like, that doesn't matter. You can change your seller's account, uh, you know, your, your brand name within like five minutes. Like that's not a problem. And then this name that you've given, that, that you've given this product, that could be your sub brand in the open brand. Does that make sense, Chris? So like being able to take that brand that's, uh, 
oh, I don't know, kitchen, uh, kitchen garlic presses, right? You've named it that because you're going to be like this kitchen garlic press, you know, seller. And that's what you're going to sell. You're going to sell these specialized garlic presses. Instead, now you take that sub brand and just, or you create that as a sub brand. Your main brand is XYZ deals, right? And then you have, yeah. What, what you're talking about there, Scott is the sold by name. Yes. The sold by exactly. Right. So you can change that at any point. It's in your account settings inside of your seller central account. And you can change that to be XYZ wholesale. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And then the brand of the product doesn't have to change. Exactly. So that can stay the same. So now you have one, one leg in your brand, let's call it, or one channel in your brand that, or in your main brand, your umbrella, your, your open brand that could be in kitchen stuff. And then you can start a brand new one in, you know, cabinet accessories for kitchens. You know what I mean? Like, so you can totally just start to pick random products. And I think that's what he really wants to do because then he can kind of dabble and not feel as, you know, as restricted. Like I have to find something in this space. Um, and that's kind of what we told him. Like that might be better to do. Um, so you kind of have to go back to the drawing board and then kind of start from scratch. And, you know, it was funny. I, I asked him, I said, Reese, do you, do you have like a list of products that you're already, that you have a list of that you, you know, you might want to, you know, look into next? And he really didn't. Um, so, and he actually told us too, when he was, when he was at Seller Summit, he's like, I've kind of just let this thing kind of go on its own. I haven't really pushed it. I haven't done much, you know, maybe got busy, whatever. And it's still been doing what it's been doing. Right. So that's still pretty good. But, you know, I would have thought that he would have had a list of, I know I have a list of products. Like I have just, I know Dom does, I know you do. And there's just not enough, like, there's not enough bandwidth to launch all those products, right? And it doesn't mean that all those products are going to be ones that you're going to launch because you might go back to them and go, oh, no, you know, now that I look further at it, it's not, it's not good. But we kind of opened his eyes a little bit on how to do that product research, kind of going back, you know, to, to basics. And, you know, he, he said to us, he goes, so what do I do? Do I just go back to, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, the Jungle Scout web app and, and start going there? And I'm like, listen, like, you got to start over by just going back to your touch list. Like, go back to your touch list, you know, figure out or think about things that you're passionate about right now. Is there something that you would want to build a brand around eventually? Maybe you start there, even though you might not call it a brand yet or a big brand, you can at least dabble in that brand to see if something sticks um, and then start to build off of that. And, you know, he got thinking, he's like, yeah, okay. And then I'm like, but if you're going to use the Jungle Scout web app, and we actually did a whole, whole thing with him on this, we kind of took him through that process using some examples. And, you know, I said, listen, what you have to do though is use the web app to get ideas maybe, do those refinements and stuff and all those filters to kind of bring up products that could fall in that in, in that uh, arena of, you know, like, you know, the different criteria. But then from there, and this is what people don't do, and he didn't even do this, and a lot of people don't, so it's, you know, not like he's like the only one that doesn't do this, but you find like a product and then that might not be the product you're going to launch because it's being shown in the web app, right? So you're like, everybody sees this thing. But then you drill into that, that person's brand and then you see a suite of products that they're selling or their open brand. And then you start to pick through those and start to see if anything can meet that criteria. Does that make sense, Chris, of what I just said? It does. And, and going that second layer deep, and it's something I said on, on the call with Reese, was no one does it. Right. And the other thing that no one no one does and everybody kind of poo poos is the touch list. But every time we talk to somebody who's selling extremely successfully, it turns out that they are using their touch list. And Scott, you and I find most of our products by using our touch list. hundred percent. Right? Yeah. It's something that we do all the time. Now, we don't necessarily I don't keep a running list of everything I touch at this point no. because it's just kind of a habit for me. Yeah. 
right? I when I touch something, I go, oh, I wonder if this would sell on Amazon. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, it's pretty much and, daily. Right. You go, this is a weird thing. I wonder, and then you jump on and you just look at Jungle Scout when you get home, mm-hmm. right? That's that's kind of how I handle that. But starting off with that list is extremely powerful. But the other thing that is, and it's what you were touching on, is diving that second layer deep. It's clicking on that sold by name and seeing what else those sellers are selling. And it's something that not a lot of people do because one, they either just don't know that it exists or two, they're digging through their own list of mm. stuff and they just want to look at the top level things. That second layer gives you a lot of insight into one, whether or not you can build a brand off of that product. Mm-hmm. Right. And that was something you and I found the the item that you and I have talked about that I found when I was putting together my guest bedroom. We did that second layer and found out that there were a lot of complementary products that would also meet the 10 by 10 by one criteria. Yeah. And we could build a brand around a completely non-sexy for lack of a better term, ridiculous item. Um, and, and build a brand of five, 10, 15, even products around that one item. And so diving that second layer deep gives you other ideas, but it also validates demand for the market Mm -hmm. as a whole, for the niche as a whole, Mm -hmm. rather than just for that particular item. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. And the one thing that I had said to him as well was like, listen, sometimes it's the non-sexy products, you know, the product that he's selling is a sexy product, right? It's, it's, and what I mean by that is it's something that you'd be, you'd be proud to tell your friends that you sell. It's like, oh, cool. Look at this. I sell this. Amazing. People would get it. Yeah. They, they'd get it and they go, oh, I see. But if you told people that you sold repair parts for a, uh, a blender, that's not that sexy. Right. And it's funny because I showed Reese an example. Actually, I pulled one of the items off of my list of products and I said, you know what, Reese, I don't care. I'm going to show you this. So I showed it to him. And I started drilling down into these different products, these different pieces. And he was like blown away. And he's like, wow, I would have never known. And I go, yeah, I never would have known this number one if I didn't want to have one of these in my house one day. And then if I didn't start looking at parts around this this item, I never would have found that. That's how I found that product. I did not find that product and the things that can be sold around it by using a tool. Now I did use the tools to go in and refine and just dig into, and you know, I used the shovel once I figured out where to dig, right? But I did not just go out there and just let the web app tell me what I should sell. And I think that's what people are relying on. They're relying on the web app to tell them exactly what to sell. That's not how I'm using it. Now I'm not saying you can't find a product that way, but I'm saying I use it as a way for me to bring an idea to me in a certain market or or whatever, right? A category. And then I can start to drill down and dig in that area that it made me aware of. So like I said, the, the product that I was going through with him, and it was funny, I, I showed him like this whole, whole, like this whole different methodology, I guess, on how you would do it that he wasn't aware of. And, and it's funny because I've said this time and time again, and I've showed people how I've done it, but it's basically, again, just finding that product Looking at the brand, don't even don't even worry about that product right now. That that product might not be, it, it might be selling really good, but it's very, very competitive. And then I would click on the brand that's selling that and I would look at all of their products. And sometimes you see that they're they're all their products are related to that one product. And sometimes you'll see just a barrage of things. That's their open brand. And then I start drilling into all of those different products inside the open brand. The other thing that I do is once I go into their brand, that's when I run the Jungle Scout extension and I get a I get detail on all of their products that they're selling in that one brand. 
And that was one thing that he wasn't doing as well. And he was like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that running that on that page is going to give me just their results. And that's exactly what it does. So he took a ton away. I know he's going to get back to the drawing board. I know he's going to, uh, to, to figure this thing out. But um, I just want to kind of go back to anyone else that's kind of like at this point, just understand that if you're not married to the product and you shouldn't marry the product at first uh, because you just don't know. And the thing is, is if you don't marry the product, it gives you the freedom to be able to say, you know what, I'm going to pivot and I'm going to go ahead and figure out another, you know, another product or if I'm going to turn this into an open brand versus a main brand. Does that make sense, Chris? It does indeed. And, you know, that is, I think, kind of the key here is, is don't get married to your product, even if it's something that you've been selling for two years, right? You have to understand that the market is going to change, but in, in most cases, if you kind of get out of the woods on that first order, it's something that you can continue to sell. Right. And that's a question that you and I get all the time is like, well, you guys say don't marry your product, but does that mean you're just churning products out left and right? No, you're still selling some of the stuff that you first launched yes. and you're selling mm-hmm. almost as many of them as you did when you first launched it mm-hmm. at this point. So it's, it's just one of those things. And if you don't get married to those, it's going to kind of open your eyes and it's going to make you a lot more objective, uh, in terms of whether or not you want to continue with that or if you want to pursue something like the open brand strategy. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and kind of kind of going back to even like, you know, my first, you know, product and, and first, you know, so-called brand, because I thought that that's what I was going to do is build that thing out as a brand. I've since kind of backed off of that just because of the market. Now I've learned more and I've seen that it's, you know, saturated in certain areas and stuff. And now I've also, I don't want to expose myself to, you know, people finding me and stuff. So for other reasons, but like you said, you know, I was able to kind of like look and see what's happening, adjust, and then decide, do I want to just, do I want to let that brand be an open brand? Or do I just want to let that brand kind of do what it's doing and then start a brand new brand? And, and that's, you know, that's your option. Um, for, for Reese, my, my recommendation to him was probably go to an open brand right now. And it's very easy for him to do that because he's only got the one product, right? And now, now he can just make that product and he can still launch products in that market just underneath that brand. But the main brand, the sold by brand is going to be XYZ deals or XYZ wholesale, whatever. And then from there, he has the freedom to be able to do that. So um, I think the big thing I want people to understand here is, you know, number one, you're going to learn a ton through this process. And I think Reese really understood that. And I think a lot of people don't see the value in you take the action, you get results, you react. Like you learn, you react, you get all of the things that happen when you actually get to see what happens. It's like split testing. If you don't do a test, you don't know how it will perform. How it will perform. A perfect example, the product that I first launched, very first product, and I would think that, you know what, it's like, it's not going to do well, it's just going to fizzle out. It's still, like Chris said, it's still selling pretty well, and I've raised the price because I tested it, and I found out that I probably should have raised the price a year ago because I'm getting 2 to $3 more per unit right now, and it's selling the same. But if I didn't test that, if I didn't take action to see what would happen, I never would know. So I can't stress that enough, guys. You guys hear me say it all the time. It's like you have to actually implement something in order to see a result, period. It just doesn't happen, right? You can't lose weight unless you start to exercise and diet. You can't. You can think about it, but you got to actually do something. Um, so, Chris, let's wrap this up. But I did want to kind of just get, get your thoughts on the overall call that we had with him and then anyone else out there that might be in this in this situation or in this spot. So first of all, and I said this earlier, I think he's got absolutely the right mindset 
to, to be successful in this business. I don't think the, the product he picked was an ideal product by any stretch of the imagination. I think if he does want to continue with it, <clears throat> if he digs through that data, that he can make that a profitable product for him to bankroll those other things. It's just a matter of whether or not he wants to do that work versus investing that time and effort and quite frankly money into a new product or launching a few products with kind of the open brand concept. Um, but I think he definitely approached this from the right way. He's using the data to inform his decisions, which is exactly what you were kind of getting out there. You know, we say, don't, don't get married to a product. Don't be emotionally invested. And that's something that's really hard for a lot of us. And I struggle with it too, but I know that the data is going to tell me whether or not something is working, right? If you're at break even after your first order, that's not necessarily a bad thing. And you have to do exactly what we did with Reese yesterday and look at whether or not it's going to be profitable in the future, right? If I make this change, this change, and this change, is it going to be profitable? And then if yes, do I want to invest my time, effort, and money into making this product profitable? Does that make sense? It makes total sense. And I think, you know, this goes right down to what I seen a common, a common thread of people that we met at Seller Summit and people that I just talked to in general. But most of the people that are successful have failed before they were successful, meaning the product failed or their idea failed, but they kept going. There's many people that we that we met over that weekend and said, you know what? I started, my first two products were no good. My third one, I started building some momentum and then I launched three more products around that and now I'm doing $500,000 or now I'm doing 1.4 million. Like that couple right. that came up to us and said, you know, I failed so much going up in the beginning, but I learned a ton and I learned what not to do, what to do more of and all that stuff. That's the people that succeed. You can't win if you quit, period. You have to keep going. You have to keep trying if you really want this. And again, that goes back to your why and all that stuff. That's why mindset is a huge play here in uh, in anything, but in we you know we're talking business here. But if you want it, it's there for you. You just have to keep pivoting or keep figuring things out as you move through this. But you will be smarter. I promise you, you will be smarter as you keep going through these different tests. These think of them as experiments when you're doing a product. In a sense, like think of it as an experiment. Think of it as a test. And then from there, you can decide what to do next. You won't you won't be able to do what we just did with Reese unless you've actually done something to get a result so we can actually look at and make that decision. So Chris, I think that's it. I think that's gonna wrap up this episode. I wanted to keep this kind of short and to the point and give everybody like a quick little recap of uh, kind of like being on that coaching call with us. Um, I think it was really, really uh, good for him to hear kind of our outside perspective. And he even said that he's like, it's kind of good to see someone looking at it with a different set of eyes through maybe you know, different glasses in a sense, right? Where you're actually able to see a little bit differently and you're not just looking inside um, so tightly because they're so vested in that product or they're so committed to that product. So um, so that's it. That's all I got. Guys, the show notes can be found at theamazingseller.com forward slash 375. Transcripts, show notes, any links we mentioned will be in there as well. And uh, yeah, that's gonna wrap it up. So guys, Going to do it with Chris on this time. We're going to do it together. Hopefully, Chris has got enough energy to do uh -oh. this, to do the ending with me. So, you ready, Chris? Are you ready to do this? Oh, I'm ready. Okay, let's do it. All right, guys, remember, I'm here for you. I believe in you, and I am rooting for you. But you have to. You have to. Come on, say it with me. Say it loud. Say it proud. Come on, Chris. One, two, three. Take, Take action. action.
Have an awesome, amazing day, guys, and I'll see you right back here on the next episode. 